All right, we begin our uh, new series today in our journey to Easter, Red Letter Day. And some of you may have uh, one of those Bibles that has Jesus' words uh, in uh, red. You got one of those? Right? What it reminds us of is how significant uh, his words are. And, of course, when you bring that together with that, that day that he hung on the cross, uh, it becomes powerful freedom uh, for us. And that's what we're going to look at in this series We're going to look at that day that he hung on the cross and look at those words that he spoke uh, from the cross. And there are seven of them. Uh, We're going to take five of them on uh, the Sunday mornings. Uh, We're going to do one on Monday, Thursday, which, of course, means you're going to want to be here when? On Monday, Thursday. That's right. We're going to do one on Monday, Thursday. And then, of course, the final one on, uh, on Good Friday. So I hope you walk with us for this series. You're in a small group because you unpack them even deeper uh, in, that, in that series. Well, to understand the words, and especially to understand the word today, uh, because the word today is not the first word, but it's the fourth word that he speaks uh, from the cross. And it is an incredible, this is a life-changing uh, word for us. Uh, and so to understand it, you need to understand the unusual things that are going on in this moment when he speaks that word. So what's happened so far is, you know, we know Jesus has been beaten and, and uh, ridiculed and he's been, you know, carried his cross to Golgotha and he's been nailed to that cross. And uh, he's been on that cross now for three hours. And he speaks three words uh, in those three hours and then he gets to the word for today here, what is our fourth word. So he's been on the cross now for three hours and then something significant happens Uh, at noon. And Matthew 27 records it. It says, at noon, the sky turned dark and stayed that way until three o'clock. Let me ask you a simple question. What would you say is usually uh, the brightest and hottest part of the day? That would be hopefully noon, right? Or thereabouts, right? I mean, we always understand that noon is supposed to be, you know, the brightest and hottest part of the day. And yet we have in this experience, in this moment when Jesus is on the cross, this incredible thing happened where at noon everything turns dark. Everything turns dark and it stays dark until three o'clock. So the whole afternoon that should be the brightest, hottest part of the day, during that whole afternoon there is nothing but darkness covering the land. I mean, you would look at that if you put yourself back into that situation, back into that moment. I mean, can you imagine you'd look at that and you'd say, whoa, wait a minute, this makes no sense. How can you understand this? This isn't supposed to happen this way, right? This is a moment in an experience of confusion and you look at the situation and you say, what is going on? This This is beyond reason. This isn't just the way it's supposed to work. And in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of all of the confusion, in the middle of all of that uh, that doesn't make any sense, it isn't supposed to happen that way, in the middle of all that, Jesus speaks his word. Now Amos, the prophet, foretold, he's one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, he kind of gave us a clue even before this would happen to, to help us be ready for this moment. So in in Amos, in the 8th chapter, it says, On that day, I, the Lord uh, God, will make the sun go down at noon. When? 
noon, and I will turn daylight into darkness. Your festivals and your joyful singing will be turned into sorrow. You wear sackcloth and shave your heads as you would at the day of your death of your only son. It will be a horrible day. That's what's going on. This is a horrible day. This is a dark, confusing, beyond reason, horrible day. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that confusion and darkness and anguish, in the middle of all of that, Jesus speaks the word for today. About three in the afternoon, after it's been dark for three hours, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lamaxathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the middle of the day, in the middle of the confusion, in the middle of what doesn't make sense, Jesus is experiencing absolute abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you deserted me? Why have you left me all alone? Why have you put me in this place of darkness and confusion? In the middle of all of it, he simply speaks this word that acknowledges what exactly is happening in that moment. He's quoting Psalm 22. Psalm 22 gives a fuller sense of what Jesus is experiencing. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day. But you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. You get a sense of the abandonment and the anguish and the confusion and the frustration that is in this moment. That's what he's experiencing. And the question, the question of the moment is the question that those who have beaten him and brought him here, those that have nailed him to the cross, the question of that moment in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the anguish, in the middle of the confusion, in the middle of feeling like God is so far away and you're absolutely forsaken, can you still trust God? That's what they ask. They nail him up there. They mock him. They ridicule him. And in the midst of all the ridicule and the mocking, they say, he trusted God. So let God save him if he wants to. What's the question? He trusted God when everything was fine. He trusted God when everything was going good. He trusted God when he was doing miracles. He trusted God when he went around preaching and teaching. He trusted God when life was going just fine and great. He trusted God when everything was good. But will he trust God now? Will he trust God? When darkness has taken over his life, when anguish is filling his moments, will he trust God? When he feels like God is nowhere to be found. And in that moment, will God do anything? That's the question. That's the question. And that's the same question that is so close to us when we have dark days. When you have horrible days. When we have things happen in our life that don't make any sense. 
that we just can't understand. Why? When our life is on the line, when our faith is being questioned, when there is a force saying to us, you don't need to believe in God anymore, will you believe anyway? Jesus is in that situation. The religious leaders have turned against him, and religion is now against him. The state that should have protected him has absolutely abandoned him and washed their hands of him. Everything in the world is turned against him. And the question is, will he trust God anyway? And will God do anything? And that's the same question we get in our dark moments. Why don't you watch the screens for a minute? Hi, my name is Lisa, and in July of 2008, my husband and I went in for a routine ultrasound at 20 weeks. And we found out then that our baby didn't have a heartbeat. Hi, my name is Scott. About, it was an early morning, I got a phone call, and it was about my grandson being taken to the hospital. He was my little buddy. He was he was the world to me. I have other grandkids, but, but Noah was he was special. Um, my name is Deidre, and um, my father sexually abused me until I was eight years old. Um, and he also beat the living daylight out of my mother. And when we got there, and they had just had just gotten him resuscitated, they admitted him into to his room and. It was at that point that I was like, God, why? Why? He's not even three years old. Why would you take this precious boy? It made me feel betrayed by God. It made me feel dirty. It made me feel like God left me um, out there by myself. Um, and I asked why. Um, I couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen to me. It was about a week when, when he finally... So that was the hardest thing that we ever had to go through. And it was the hardest point in my life. And I questioned and questioned and questioned why, why was this baby taken from us when I never got to hold him or kiss his face. Dark days, horrible days, feeling forsaken. And the question is the same. And we look to this moment in Jesus' life to try to find the answer. He quotes Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you follow through Psalm 22 and you think about how Jesus even phrases these words, there's an answer. Notice in his phrase, in his words, he says, My God, my God. Now, prior to this, every time that Jesus has referred to the Father, he's always referred to the Father using affectionate language. Right? In English, we, we'd look at what he's saying, and, and we'd look at those words and say, Well, he's calling him Father. He's calling him Dad. 
right? He's using affectionate language. When he's on the cross, when he's feeling abandoned, when he's feeling forsaken, he doesn't use those words. And yet, he calls upon the Father. And look not just at the word he uses to name God, but look at the word that comes before God's name. What's the word? Two letters, M and Y. Who's God? My God. Not just any God. My God. Not just a God of some Babylonian or Egyptian country, but my God. The God who's walked with me so far, the God who's been with me through all of these experiences so far, my God. You see, he is doing the same thing the psalmist did in Psalm 22. He uses this acknowledgement of forsakenness and abandonment. And when you get to verse 3, he says, Yet you, God, you, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They, they did it. They trusted you. And you delivered them. To you, they did cry out. And you saved them. In you, they trusted and they were not put to shame. Jesus is acknowledging that even though he feels like God has abandoned him, he will not abandon God. Even though it doesn't feel like God has somehow claimed him in those moments, he will claim God. He will claim God. Paul says in Corinthians, Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in the mirror, but then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know is partial and incomplete. Then I'll know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. To answer the question, Jesus claims God. He doesn't need to understand everything. He doesn't need to understand how everything's going to unfold. He doesn't have to understand why everything is happening the way it is. In the middle of his abandonment and forsakenness, he is just going to claim God. Just because that's who God is. He's just going to claim God. See, we won't always understand. We won't always get what's going on. It's going to be dark days, horrible days, and we're going to feel far from God, and stuff isn't going to make sense because darkness is covering our land, and we're going to wonder, and we're going to question, and in the middle of it, Jesus cries out and says, listen, I'm just going to claim God. I'm just going to claim God. I'm just going to claim God. And the key for us, the key for us is in those moments... We claim not only God, but we claim what God is doing in that moment. Remember the questions? Can we trust God? The second question is, is God doing anything? In this moment, when Jesus cries out, in that moment, God is doing everything for each one of us. If you look at 2 Corinthians, Paul tries to get us to understand what's happening in this very moment. When Jesus makes that proclamation, it says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. What is happening in that moment? When Jesus is abandoned, Isaiah looked at it beforehand. He said, look, here's what's happening. Here's what's going on. 
All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our, follow our own. Amen, true? That's where we say yes, absolutely. Hmm? Amen, true. That's us. Look what he says. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. You can put your name in there. You can put your name right in there. Yet on Jesus, in that moment, in that place where Jesus is absolutely forsaken and abandoned by the Father, He is taking every fault, failure, and wrongness in your life. In that moment, when He is in the darkest place, when He is experiencing separation and the experience of hell, in that moment... He is thinking of you and taking everything, everything that is sin and fault and failure and guilt and anguish and whatever else word you want to put on it, it's right in that moment when we say Jesus died for us and took our sins, right there, right in that moment. Everything is laid on him and he is forsaken and he is abandoned for our sake. Habakkuk. Heard of that guy? Hope so. Habakkuk. Habakkuk says about God, Look, God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. He can't, and so he put it right there on the cross, on Jesus, right in the darkness, right in the anguish, right in that moment, right in the abandonment of that experience, right there. Everything that is wrong about this world, everything that is sinful about this world, everything that is broken about our lives, it goes right there. And Jesus experiences the weight and the anguish and the abandonment once for all of us. That's what it says, Hebrews 10. For God's will was that for, for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. How often? Once for... See, this may be your moment right now. Where you're in a dark day. Where you're feeling like God is so far away. Where you can't make sense out of what's going on in your life. And in this moment... Jesus Christ is ready to take it away. Because that's what he did in that moment on the cross. That's what he did. He experienced the abandonment and the forsakenness of God so that each one of us never will. He experienced it so that we never will. That's why I can say in Hebrews, God has said, never will I leave you Never will I forsake you. We can trust that. We can know that's true because of this word from the cross, because of this moment in Jesus' life. Never again will he forsake and abandon because he did it for us. And we don't have to worry. We get to trust. And we get to trust and say, My God, my God, I know even in the darkness, I know even in the anguish, I know that you're there, and I know that you're working. I know nothing is beyond you. I know nothing is beyond your power. That's what Paul would say. Paul says, listen, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that nothing, there is absolutely nothing can ever happen in my life 
There is no dark day. There is no difficult situation. There is no anguish. There is nothing that can happen in my life that can separate me anymore from God's love for me. How can he say that? Because it already happened once for all. And it will never happen again. And when you face your anguish, and when you face your difficulty, and when you face your dark days, all you need to remember is what? That moment. Remember this word. Remember that Jesus did it already. And you can claim God. And you can know God is working. Why don't you watch the screens again? In my prayer time in Honduras, I, was, I prayed and was still asking God why. Um, and I felt like God revealed to me that he allowed that to happen. So um, a passion could be birthed inside of me for students, for youth, for young people. We struggled with the why and um, question. And God showed us throughout the whole process that he was with us and that he, he was holding our Isaiah when we couldn't. But it was during the time when we knew that he was going to lead us, that he was going to, to go be with our Father in heaven, that we knew God was in this. We, we, we knew he was. But it was, it was difficult to get to that place. We, we really wanted to be healed. But we, had, we began the process of accepting that God was God and God is good. I would never choose to have my father abuse me. But uh, by God allowing that to happen, um, I'm able, as a survivor, I'm able to tell my students that they too can forgive. They too can survive. They too can be healed um, and live with our true father. Because of that, man, I can experience the love of my true father, my heavenly father. A love that is pure and unconditional. After trying for a year and a half after losing Isaiah, um, we found out this past Christmas that um, I'm pregnant. And um, I have a peace about this pregnancy, and that's something that I feel that God has shown me and um, put on my heart. And he's been faithful, and he's good. Dark days. Horrible days, and yet in the middle of it, what? We know, we know God is with us, God is for us, and God will not forsake us. Even if we don't fully understand it, even if we don't get what's going on, we know in the middle of it, God is good, God is for me, and God is with me. Proverbs says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. You see, this is a great word for us. This word from the cross is a great word for us. Because in those dark days that we'll face, in those horrible times that we're going to go through, we know God is for us, God is with us, and God is absolutely good. How do you know? Because he proved it on that day. He proved it in that moment. Let's pray. 
Father, we do come to you, and we know that there was a uh, dark day, a horrible day. And yet in that day, you were working to make every day afterwards possible. And so we just humbly come to you today, and we bring all of our brokenness and all of our sorrow, all of our faults and all of our failures. And in this moment, we give them to you. Father, rip them out of our lives and help us to be new people, kingdom people. And when another dark day comes, when another difficult time emerges, help us to remember these words of Jesus. You're our God. And even though we may not feel claimed, we claim you. And we know that you may feel far away. And that you're working even so we can't see it. You're working and you're accomplishing whatever is good for us. Because you are a good God. You're a God who's for us. And you're a God who's with us. We commit this to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.